So if you guys have your Bibles, please open them up to the book called 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. We're going to pick up at verse 6. Please stand with me if you're able to as we open up this time to read and pray. As we devour God's word together. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting from verse 6. It says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this book that we call First Corinthians. We thank you that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. We want to be like those who have gone before us who write and say, that thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We know your word contains the wisdom, Lord, that you, the only God, full of grace, full of wisdom and truth, you want to share with us, oh, Lord, this mystery, this mysterious book, and your mysterious wisdom, it's unveiled, it's revealed to us. Your saints, the born-again Christians, those in the family of God, but Lord, help us to run away from those hindrances Lord, we pray that you would help us to run away even from the things of the flesh, the things of our pride that keep us from learning and understanding and applying your word. But Father, we ask for your grace. We ask for your anointing, that you would pour out your spirit upon us to so gather here in your church, Lord. Have your way with us. Teach us your word of truth, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. You guys have a seat. If you would, please. So as you guys know, Paul had a desire to make disciples. He went to this region that we call Corinth, whom he's writing here to, called 1 Corinthians. He wants to make disciples. He wanted Christians to be spiritually mature, but instead of being able to go deep in God's word, many of them stayed as, and we'll read later on, as he calls babes in Christ. I'm not making that up. That actually is what he calls them, babes in Christ. He's writing this letter to you. You imagine the Corinthians are gathered. Hey, the Apostle Paul wrote us a letter. Let's gather. All right, let it hear. You're babes in Christ. What? Did he really say that? <laughs> of course, not all were like that, but he had a desire to make disciples, and yet some of them weren't running away from those things, those hindrances, the things of the flesh, the things of the old life, the past life that were supposed to be dead and gone to, right? The things that should be just buried. I'm buried with him in baptism. I'm crucified with Christ. I've been risen with him. And so although Paul had a desire to make disciples, many of these Christians stayed as babes in Christ. 
instead of wanting to be mature in Christ. So I, I got to say at this point in this junction, I have that similar heart, not exactly the same, but from the same grace, the same God, the same empowerment through the same spirit, he's also given me that heart where you could speak and, and want to teach and preach to a congregation, a gathering collective of God in Christ that we, we need to grow in God's grace and in his ways, amen? We all need to. We need his wisdom. And so as we read and study this passage, I can imagine that perhaps like Paul, I know that my heart sometimes gets frustrated. And not just, I'm not pointing a finger out of you, sometimes I'm the problem. Anybody else here understand that? You have no idea so much as what's going on in someone else's heart. Only the spirit of the man knows what's going on within the man. And so I know my own heart that sometimes I might be preventing others from growing. I know that I could be preventing myself from growing simply because I have some of these things in my stubbornness. My wife will tell you. There's a lot of things still that God is doing as a work. He's working things out of my life and in our lives and out for each and every one of us. Amen. So we're going to see in this passage, we're going to see what I'm going to call three key marks of spiritual maturity. Marks of spiritual maturity. So I I want to say, though, as a disclaimer, this isn't everything, of course. Not everything needed in order to have spiritual maturity. But we will see that there are definitely three key marks of spiritual maturity that Paul will touch upon here that you and I must have today for the best chance to spiritually mature. And I just want to open up by looking at this first paragraph that we opened with. The first thing you and I need as a must-have for spiritual maturity, first key, if you will, you need to be taught wisdom from God's Word. Taught wisdom from God's Word. So, hey, the first key for spiritual maturity for you and I that we see in this passage is that you and I as Christians must be taught a lot of wisdom from God's Word. We need that. Anybody feel like they need that? Hopefully that's you. If you're born again, that's you. That's the one thing of many things that the Holy Spirit's teaching and preaching to the hearts. So quite simply, this is mandatory in order for a person to spiritually grow and to mature. So as we kick this off, let me put this into the practical for you. Put it into the practical. Let me just say, at this junction, be committed to fellowship in a church that teaches through the entire Bible without man-made doctrines. Now, that's a loaded statement here in New York City because it's really hard to find a church that will just teach the Bible itself and not just cherry-pick verses according to their needs. Anybody know that? That's prevalent today. That's actually prophesied in God's Word, just proving that God, through the Word, is right and he's true. He already prophesied this is how it will be in the last days. So be committed to fellowship in a church that teaches through the entire Bible, and I put this as a caveat, without man-made doctrines. Some of you guys, I know some of the gals were here on that Thursday that we had a a couple cultists come in. They're part of a a local cult on a Thursday when they had their homeschoolers at the cross meeting. I happened to be here that day. I'm never here. And I came in that day, that morning, and these guys came in. My wife was here. Catherine was here that day. And these guys are, they're like, they hand out this flyer like, oh, are you the minister? They wanted to target the pastor of the church. They're from a, a Korean-based uh, cult group called Shincheonji. 
and they actually will lure people in to tell them they're going to a Bible study. They'll infiltrate churches. They're already successful here in New York City, sadly. We've got to sound the alarm. There's a cult going on, a newer cult. And they know that Christians do not read the Bible. They know that churches in this area and around the globe, but all throughout America, are not being taught and fed God's word. So one of their bait tactics is they'll come into a church to target the pastor. What does that let you know about pastors? Pastors in the city aren't even knowing the Bible. They can't even know what a cultist is. And they're luring Christians in, coming into a congregation. They're telling them, hey, you want to go to a Bible study? And they come to a Bible study. You want to be taught the entire book of Revelation. They'll teach through the entire book, every chapter, every verse. But they're not pointing you to Jesus, the one who's revealed. Remember, it's the revelation, apocalypsis, you say, right? The revelation is revealing who? Jesus as Messiah, as Lord and Savior. Instead, according to their cult, they'll draw people in and point them to who they believe is speaking about. And it's not Jesus, Messiah. And sadly, if they could hand out a flyer targeting the pastor of a church in New York City, was that let you know? They're, they must be quite successful at that. So there's a great need for you and I to feed on God's word. Amen? We must have that. And this, by the way, that's one of the distinctives of Calvary Chapel, that Calvary Chapels will teach. Not just this Calvary Chapel, every true Calvary Chapel fellowship will teach through the entire Bible without man-made doctrines. That's important, not man-made doctrines. And I'm not going to go through the hundreds of man-made doctrines that are necessary for us to learn and to warn against. Just read and feed upon the Bible, amen? That's what you need. So going through the entire Bible, that's also called expository teaching. You might call it expository preaching. E-X-P-O-S-I-T-O-R-Y. What are you doing? You're exposing what God has already said. Wow, look at this treasure. God has already spoken. All we have to do is open, read, and feed people the entirety of God's word. Feed it in context, right? You must learn the text in context. And that's what pastors and teachers simply need to do, to teach through the scriptures and expose to you what God has already said. He's the one that said it, and he's really trying to force, if not command and exhort lovingly pastors, so-called pastors and teachers, to do what? To simply feed people God's word. Remember Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? One of the three times in response, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter understood what that meant. He didn't say, fleece my sheep. Feed my sheep. Teach them God's word. And dare I say, this is why God brought you, or many of you, to this church. We specifically, as I shared Wednesday mornings, we're praying, God, bring people in that are hungry for your word. Not just people, not just Christians. Christians, people that are hungry for the Bible. And that's why God brought you in here. So please pray for us. That's why God brought you in. It's not to follow a prima donna preacher. I'm certainly the, the antithetical opposite of that. And why do I say that? Because that's what we tend to do today. Instead of being followers of Jesus and reading and obeying his word, we're following some prima donna preachers. And then what happens? Many of them are following. And then what happens as a follower? They fall too. They lose hope and faith in God and in God's word. Really sad. Okay? So Jesus, the good shepherd, warns us in his word, there are many wolves out there. But how would we ever know if we're not 
feeding upon the wisdom found in God's word. So pray for us, if you would, please. Please pray for us daily. So back to this passage, Paul, I believe, it's like he was frustrated with carnal Christians. He's like, I want to feed you God's word. I want to give you the wisdom that's here. All this gracious grace that's found only in God's word. He says here in verse 6, his desire was to, quote, speak wisdom among those who are mature. And he's reminding them in verse 12 that they, quote, received, he says, quote, the spirit who's from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Do you know that God has given you things freely? And I'm not talking he's handing out money. He's given things freely to you. There's awesome grace, awesome wisdom found in God's word. The only place you're going to find that is in the Bible, amen? You're not going to find that in anything else. And so this first key for spiritual maturity is that you have a desperate need to be taught and fed God's word. You must have wisdom found in God's word. Paul knew this. Here's what he wrote also to another person at another congregation. This is a guy named Timothy. We call him Tim Timothy. So in 2 Timothy, Timothy was picked and placed in a city called what? You guys remember that city? Ephesus. Ephesus. So here's the last thing that Paul wrote. 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Hey, what do you and I need? All scripture. All scripture. And it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. For reproof. You want to prove something? Guess what you must use? All scripture. Well, my opinion is that really hurts my feelings. Who who cares? (laughs) It's God's word. I, I, I feel bad for God. It's like, I imagine God sitting there waiting for me, waiting for you to simply quote the Bible, what he says, his opinion, and not just, this is my feelings. Oh, these are my opinions. Who cares about that? We need all scriptures. You want to prove something, it's not your opinion that people need to hear. It's God's, right? So scripture, all scripture is profitable. It also means advantageous for reproof. Okay, you want to prove something. For correction, oh, parents out there, right? Good to feed and teach God's word and his principles so that when you're not there, when you're not looking, God's spirit can use his word to do what? To lovingly correct and direct them. That's what we need. That's what I need. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. Notice this in verse 17. This is why God's word is being hidden from many pulpits, that the man of God, the woman of God, the people of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you want to be complete, thoroughly complete, or thoroughly equipped for every good work, what do you need? All scripture. Look at chapter four as it goes into the very next verse. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Look at this charge. Timothy's reading this letter. Imagine being there. You're like, you're this guy that he's writing now the second letter to, at least the second letter that we know of. And he's telling them, stay in Ephesus. Stay there. Be an example. Don't let them you know, make you feel bad about this or that. Like you're younger. Be an example to the flock. You get to this chapter here as you end this letter, this big charge here. They need all scripture, Timothy. And now he's charging them to do what? To preach the scripture. Preach the word. 
I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Look at this, verse 2. And understand the context. Preach what? The word. Did he say preach prosperity? Come to Jesus. You could have a lot of money. You could be happy and healthy. You could tickle your fancy. You could make you happy. No. Preach the word. Preach all scripture. You see the context? Preach the word. Preach all scripture. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come. Guys, has this time come now? It's already been here, right? It's been here for some time. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. People are not wanting to, to sit through Bible teaching. Oh, I come to that church. I come to Calvary Chapel. I'm just going to teach the Bible. And I want to be told how I can make a lot of money. How I can be happy. You know, we could laugh at that, but what's really sad is there's a lot of Christians in New York City. That's all they want. And not even knowing they're probably not Christians. They're probably going to die and burn in hell because they've been preached a false gospel to perhaps. So you and I must have God's word and we must teach and preach the word. Amen? We must preach the word. So verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from, notice what it says, from what? From the truth. And be turned aside to what? Fables. I remember our dear sister Hattie, who just moved to Texas. She was here for a while. You know, for actually many years. <laughs> At the start, <laughs> you guys might remember. Some of you guys may have heard. She came up and she's like, Pastor Drew, I'm so glad you don't just you know, say stories. I'm like, what do you mean? I knew there was like more context behind it. She's like, because I grew up, I was going to a church where for years, all they would do is teach stories, but I never learned the Bible. And she didn't know what she needed to learn because she was never taught. And she came here as we're just teaching the Bible, pointing people to Jesus. Why? Because she needs all scripture. I need all scripture. You and I, we need all scripture. Amen? So notice this. This is happening today. Be turned aside to fables. Sometimes people, all they want is just a story. But you and I need what? All scripture. Verse 5 says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Perhaps someone here needs to hear that today. That you, not just me, like, oh, you're, you're the one teaching today. No, you and I, we, the pronouns we, you and I, we must be preaching, teaching, exhorting, encouraging people with what? All scripture. That's what they need, right? People don't need me. I'm replaceable. They need Jesus. People don't need my words. They're going to forget my words. The grass withers. That's us as people. The flower fades. That's beauty. Here today, gone tomorrow. But the word of our God stands forever. That's Isaiah 40, verse 8. That was written maybe about 2,700 years ago. Still stands today. You can't change the principles in God's word. You can't. You try to change, God will change you. (laughs) You're going to die trying to change it. And God's word still just what? Stands. So you and I must be getting God's word. All scripture. Amen? People need all scripture. So that's not just Paul. How about David in the Old Testament? Here's what he wrote in the Psalms. Psalm 19. David understood that you need wisdom from God's word. Psalm 19. Here on the display, if you're taking notes, this is Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting 
the soul. That's synonymous with God's word. The law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. That's me. <laughs> the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. You ever read God's word? Especially if you spend a, little, a long good time in God's word. You just oh, feel so full of his grace. Look at this. Pure. Enlightening the eyes. And then you go out in public and the people go, there's something different about you. The place where I work at, there's a gal that actually approached me and kind of rebuked me. She's like, why are you always smiling? And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you, don't, you never know. It's not like you walk around with a mirror. So, I mean, some people like always check themselves. <laughs> but it's interesting how the grace of God could just flow through people. And that's not me all the time. I got to you know, admit. But allow yourself to just be seeped like a, like a tea, <laughs> a tea bag in God's word. Allowing him to bring this out of you. Pure, enlightening the eyes. Oh, I'm just good with being grumpy. No. <laughs> May the grace of God change you through the power of his spirit and his word. Amen. I love that. Pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. God's word is sweet, isn't it? Some people call it honey word. Sweet. There's a sweetness to God's word. There's a sweetness even to his confronting us, right? And his correcting us, not just directing, also correcting, right? Isn't there? Why? Because he's proving that he loves you. And he doesn't want sin to hurt us. Verse 11, moreover by them... Your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there's a great reward. In keeping God's word, in obeying God's word, being a doer of God's word, there's a great reward. So that's what David wrote. How about his son Solomon? Glad you asked. (laughs) Here's what he wrote. This is Proverbs 16, verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Think about this. I'm not saying go out and quit your job tomorrow. If that's what God's telling you to do, then do that. But let's not just store up our treasures here on earth where moth and rust will destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Can anybody steal wisdom that God's given you through his word? No. Can anybody steal grace that God has graciously given to you? No. Store up those things, eternal things, spiritual things. Rather than silver. Let's continue on. Let's read now in verse 13. The second of three things. These marks of spiritual maturity. Again, these are not everything. But these are some things that we can definitely see from this passage. You and I must be those that receive spiritual teachings from God. Look at this. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, starting from verse 13. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Ah, but we have the mind of of Christ. Notice this again, verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. 
Who here can testify that the first time you read the Bible, it made zero sense to you at all? Either you weren't saved or you were so new, you're like, what did I just read? That was me. I remember being younger and reading entire chapters and even like books, small books of the Bible, like, just went over my head. I know I just read something. I don't even recall. Now, some of that was probably the drug-fueled past I had in the past. God healed me and gave me clarity of mind. Praise God for that. I had to pray and pray and pray. But a lot of it was simply, I was still in a carnal state. I still had not really repented for my sins. And so the natural man, verse 14, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. These things are spiritually discerned, is what he tells us in verse 14. Oh, that's why. So Christian, don't give up. Don't give up. If you're reading and feeding upon God's word, whether publicly or especially at home, individually, between you and Jesus, getting on your knees, your face with God, and and just talking to him, allowing him to give you wisdom from his word. Oh, Lord, I'm seeking you. Help me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep digging in God's word and let... Don't, don't just go through the word. Let God's word go through you. Amen? Where you apply. You obey what he says. Sometimes he's telling you something in this chapter. You're like, oh, no, I don't want to repent. Okay, speak to me, God. Come on, where's the goodness? Come on, come on. And he's like, no. I'm still speaking to you about what you just read. Maybe it was the previous verse. And I want you to read and then heed my word. Obey it. If not... And I just treat this like a novel, like it's just any other book, and it's not. It's a living, active word, isn't it? If I just treat this not as God's word, but as just something else, like any other book, guess what I'm doing to God? No, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you, no, no. I'm telling God no, and he wants me to grow. So don't just look for God's direction. Be open and willing for God's correction, amen? He'll speak to you and I. Sometimes when you seek him, you might go to him for prayer and, and spending time with him in the word. And it's like, God, I got two choices. Oftentimes it's like that for us Christians, right? Come to the crossroads. Do I do this or that? And maybe God's not going to give you direction because first he's trying to give you correction. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. He's going to show you, you first. Second, a light to my path. So sometimes we just seek him for direction. You might need to bring your heart before the Lord and simply confess your sins and ask him for the strength to repent, to turn away from those old ways. Those old ways in Adam, so to speak. So now you can walk with him in Christ. So God, I want to confess and repent from those things because you show me through your word, the lens of your word, empowered by your spirit, you show me there's there's a lot of filth in my heart and life. There's a lot of pride. I still got issues. Me. I still got issues. I still do. And praise God I'm a work in progress. Still. <laughs> still. I'm 55. Now, he ain't done with me yet. Praise God. But allow him to correct you, not just direct you. And don't give up, Christian. Now, I want to say that because I know how it was for me for years prior to being discipled where people would hold my hand to the fire. It's like, no, seek God. How long have you been praying? Oh, it's been an hour. Okay, you may have to pray for a week. Are you willing to? Just to seek God. And whatever he's burdening your heart with, whatever he's, he's convicting your heart with as you seek him, as you're reading his word, 
He's telling you maybe to confess something. He's going to show you and reveal sin. Confess that to him. Repent from that. Throw that away. Ask him for the strength to turn away from that. Are you doing that? No, I just want him to tell me what to do. Well, that is what he's telling you what to do, right? So be open for his correction, not just direction. Does that make sense? Because a lot of us, especially baby Christians, we come to him, I don't want to be told anything except for what's my choice. And he might be trying to, once he comes to live within you, he starts doing cleanup work, right? Anybody remember that? He's still doing in my heart and life. And you're like, dude, you said you're 55. Is that going for years? Yes. It's not going to stop until when? Until you're dead. Or <laughs> he takes you home. He's continuing to do that work. So as you read his word, God's word is living. Active. The Greek word for active there in Hebrews. Energates. Energetic. As you read God's word, he's using his word to reveal to you, you. No creature's hidden from his sight. So the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. These things are spiritually discerned. So you and I, as we get wisdom from being taught God's word, you need to also receive this spiritual teaching from God. So if you've been born again, you need to receive the things of the spirit of God. You need to know there are going to be some carnal things that get in the way. Every Christian needs to understand that. There's going to be some carnal things that get in the way. It could be sins of like sexual morality. It could be pride. I used to have a gambling issue and, and being a Christian. So here's how weak my faith was and how unbiblical my understanding was. God helped me to win. I'd go to Las Vegas, the land of lost wages, and that's how dumb I was. I'd be like praying, and you're like, wow, I was never that bad off. Yeah, that's how bad off I was. And yet God gave me grace. So he, if he can give a dummy like me grace, oh, wow, he could certainly help you. <laughs> you guys are probably way smarter than me. But that's how far off I was. And I wondered, why aren't you answering my prayers? Don't you understand? I'm not going to just give you 10%. So I was trying to bargain with God. Like, wait, wait a second. Didn't you ever bother reading? <laughs> you know, I shouldn't be gambling. That's a sin. I didn't know that. <laughs> I've been convicted. So we need to know there's some carnal things that can get in the way. Look at this in verse 14. I'm going to just splash this up. This is a screenshot of my Bible study software. This word for receive, verse 14, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The natural man does not receive. Look at this here that I circled here. This is from Thayer's. You can blue a Bible that. You can look that up. Of the thing offered is speaking, teaching, instructing. To receive favorably. Give ear to. Okay? Receive. Not just hear it. Or as we say, go in one ear, go out the other, right? It's like, God's like, no, receive my spiritual wisdom. Okay, so if a Christian lives in carnality, they're not able to receive spiritual teachings. They're rejecting God's word. I remember me even, this, I'm married now, my poor wife, you got to pray for her. She, when I met her, she's like, she never dated, and that was like her first date, so to speak. It was a recording. Some of you guys know, because you were here <laughs> in the fellowship before I met and married Susan. She walked through that door some like 16 years ago or something like that. But prior to that, prior to me, even, I had to say, I'm sorry. You kept yourself pure and clean. But I was like the filth of the world, and Jesus took me, cleaned me off. 
So I was living in carnality, being a Christian, trying to pray, and then I had a, I had a good prayer life sometimes. It was all repentance, but it was a prayer life. God, sorry, God, sorry, God, sorry. God, why didn't you stop me, God? <laughs> Just living in self-condemnation all the time. And guess what? I was not growing in God's wisdom or his grace. So if a person is living in carnality, they're not going to be able to receive God's wisdom. They're actually rejecting it. You've got to be careful. Think about this. A blind man. A blind man cannot see the sun. Like I could see the sun right now. I could somewhat feel the, the warmth of the rays as it comes through the skylight here. A blind man can't see the sun. They can't see the beauty of a butterfly. They can't see the thorns on that cross. Or not cross, the uh, crown of thorns. A deaf man. Deaf man cannot hear the, the waves crashing on the shore. If you're like me, oh, I love the ocean. I love just the, that sound of gentle waves crashing. And the seagulls, in the distance. You can tell I miss Southern California beaches sometimes. It's impossible for them to comprehend because they lack what's necessary to understand it. So the case is the same for someone who's not a born-again Christian. They simply don't have God's spirit living within them so they can understand spiritual wisdom from God's word. So like the blind man or the deaf man, they lack what's necessary to understand. And so once you're born again, you're now born of the spirit. You have God's spirit living within you. And now the author of the scriptures, these spiritual scriptures, he's living within you. He can interpret these things for you. He can help you to understand. But again, the danger for us as Christians is that if a Christian is making carnal, carnal choices, it's like hard to say, like carnal Christian. Right? And in California, I remember we jokingly would say this at the Bible college. We call it First Californians. It's like, there's a lot of Christians in California that this is kind of written to. And not just there, but a lot of us in America. We've got to be careful. You guys. So a Christian making carnal choices, they're not really able to receive spiritual teachings. We've got to be careful of that. We're going to see some a little later on. So the third thing that I want to say here, third mark, so to speak, of spiritual maturity we're going to see in this passage is that you must be able to go deep in God's word. We want God's wisdom through his word, amen? We want wisdom through his word. I need to be able to go deeper. Look at this in chapter three now, verse one. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to, as he says here again, babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. By the way, how do you say meat in Espanol? Carne, flesh, meat, right? You're still meaty. <laughs> You're still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Verse 4, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So Paul wanted to teach the Christians at Corinth about the deeper spiritual things of God that are found in God's word. But because of their lack of spiritual maturity, they remained, as he says in verse 1, he says, babes in Christ. That's not a put down. He's actually trying to help them to assess where they are so they can what? Address. You must assess first, second, to address. So that's, that's what he's doing now. They weren't mature in Christ. Look what it says in verse 2, and I want to display this now here for you about this word milk. He says, I fed you with milk 
and not with solid food. This is, at this point, you probably have people like me in the crowd there at Corinth, like, cracking up. By laughing, like, oh, did he really say that? And you're like, oh, but he's talking about me. Oh, man. <laughs> Help me, Lord. So milk, it's a metaphor for the less difficult Christian truths. So there's milk and there's solid food. Who here is a parent? Okay. You guys know babies need milk. What happens if you get a big protein-filled juicy steak and you give it to a one-month-old? They don't even have the teeth, right? (laughs) They don't have what's necessary to consume it, to digest. If you somehow get it in there, I'm going to grind it up. (laughs) They'll just throw it up. You see the analogy? Really good spiritual analogy, right? Same thing for us. So the deeper things of God's word, of the wisdom found in God's word, many of us, we just can't take it. If we're carnal, if we're not ready, we're not wanting to and desiring to grow deeper in God's word of truth. We might just throw it up. So Paul couldn't teach nor disciple the carnal Christians at Corinth. Instead, maybe they only wanted to hear about evangelism. Oh, how do we get saved? So he, he determined to know nothing amongst them except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's good for evangelism. But then he goes on, as he goes into this chapter, he mentions, but we speak wisdom among those who are mature. So there's a a thing about preaching for evangelism and teaching for maturity. You need both. But if all I give you is, hey, you got to get saved, and you come in here, yes, Maybe every Sunday it's an altar call. That's great for people and for a person that needs that. A call to repent from your sins, give your heart and life to Jesus because he died as my Savior, my Messiah, who died on the cross for my sins. But if that's all that you hear and that's all you get, then we might say you can grow a large church that's about an inch deep. That's it. There's no maturity. They're just babes in Christ. And we've got to be careful about that. So maybe this is a, a place there in Corinth where Paul was just preaching much of it about how to get saved type of topics, the milk type of topics. So there's a roadblock to maturity that only being able to drink milk, so to speak, is going to have you and I as just a babe in Christ and it's going to make what we might call surface level saints. And I could understand, at least a tinge, comprehend maybe, a little bit about Paul's frustration because he wants the people to go deeper in God's word. He wants them to not just be a hearer only, but also be a doer of the word, to apply it. That's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to mature. In order for us to disciple you in God's word, we need to feed you solid food. You need God's word. That's it. It's not even my presentation of it. Oh, you got pretty graphics. That might help. That could help. But God's spirit will use his word, won't he? These are teaching techniques. These are helpful. Because many times, just like uh, how Jesus preached to the crowds, he only used pictures, didn't he? When he preached to multitudes. He never made disciples in large groups. So sometimes I'd imagine if I was there getting the food, like, what is he talking about? I don't know, he's just mentioning about four soils and some birds. I just eat your food. Oh, that was good. 
<laughs> and then he confronts them with another passage. You only follow me because you got fed. So sometimes we can come out of a big group teaching and that's all we get, a story, a picture. But we got to go deeper. I, my heart for you and I here is that we would go deeper. And I want to say it to you like how I was when I was on staff at Calvary Chapel Bible College. We need to be able to, God willing, teach you as much as humanly possible for you to learn and apply God's word. That's why we exist. That's the specific reason why God moved me out here. It's not to stand before you, it's to make disciples. That was my frustration. That was my frustration as I came out. I'm like, God, you equipped me to disciple. There's people out here that call themselves Christians, and many of them, not you guys, people remember meeting around this middle village area, like, oh, I go to church. Oh, where do you go? Oh, Our Lady of Hope. I'm like, wow. And they didn't, the Jesus they knew is still on a cross. The wrong Jesus. And when I would meet Christians around the city, it was just maybe the, the experience that God had me go through. I would just get frustrated because I wanted people to go deeper in God's word. Hey, let's gather for Bible study. Let's dig in. Let's learn from each other. No, no, I'm fine. I read my Bible before, last month, last week. You might get attitudes from people, and that would frustrate me. So I could comprehend maybe a little bit of what the Apostle Paul was going through. He wanted the Christians to dig deeper. He wanted them to go into God's word, to mine God's word for wisdom. God's word of truth to help us because there's lies out in the world. You and I need to help each other, but it's God and God's word that we need. Amen? You don't need me. You need the Lord. You need his word. So solid food. That could mean, that could speak of going deeper, being able to go deeper into God's word. I'm not saying that I know everything because I don't. Let's learn and study these things together. And I, I found by, let's say, following, <laughs> chasing sometimes the Holy Spirit, sometimes you're reading the Word, and it's not on your agenda, or maybe you're going to read a chapter or a paragraph or a passage that day, and then maybe He's going to touch your heart to dig deeper. Right? Go past the surface of what it says there. Dig in. Look at the original language. Look at the nuances. Of it. Look at the context of the surroundings of what He's saying. Who's speaking? Where's the context? Where are they living? What's going on? And sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you. Allow Him to do that. So I remember when I was on staff at, at the Bible College, again, that was just by the grace of God. I had my own studies I had to do uh, for teaching there. But I remember one of the, the common topics that He had me dig into and, I, and study was a tabernacle. That's my favorite thing to study in Torah. By far, the favorite thing to study. And I would spend hours, like sleepless, going through, like, oh, he would just show me a lot. I just love seeing Messiah in the, in the Torah. And I, I love studying and digging into the Word and, and discovering Christ in the tabernacle. That wasn't part of what I had to study in my own studies. But I remember after a while realizing, I think it's you, Lord, that's leading me into this. And I know later on, especially coming here to very Jewish New York City later on, I didn't know he was equipping me then for what would happen later on, that I come out to an area that's like full of Jews that are still stuck in Orthodox Judaism. And being able to see that, wow, there's no way for you to get rid of your sin. And it's not just because I heard that from someone else and I'm speaking it. I could see there's scriptures. There's no way possible. So I love studying scriptures, but just allow yourself as you have your own study time. You should develop your own study time. If you need help, let me know. 
Develop your own study time. Digging in. Dig deep in God's Word. But allow the Spirit of God to lead you as He feeds you. He might lead you on a path that you didn't plan for as you study His Word. So here's what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2. All these things about milk and God's Word. That might sound reminiscent of something. It might be this. Here's what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So Peter understood what Paul's also writing about, that there's wisdom found in God's word. And you need to desire God's word. You need to get into God's word. Peter understood this well. Because a good shepherd, Jesus, remember in Peter's restoration, John 21, verses 15 to 17, he tells Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, that's John 21, verse 17. It means to feed God's people with what? With God's word. Peter understood that. Peter also was told by Jesus, feed my lambs. That's John 21, verse 17. Feed my lambs? Yeah, disciple the young ones, how? Ladies and gentlemen, lift up your sword, would you? You need to be feasting on and feeding others God's word, whether they're lambs, disciple others, or as Jesus says, feed my sheep. They need God's word. The good shepherd is going to lead and feed people in his word, isn't he? Think about that and how God might use you. Here's what he also says in Hebrews. We're going to close here in a bit. Hebrews chapter 5. So on this topic, on this notion of getting wisdom from God's word and not being a babe in Christ, but going deeper. Here's what he says. Hebrews 5 verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. By the way, this is one reason, one of the many reasons why we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, but there are many people who claim it's Paul. And this is one of the passages because he writes in a similar way as he did in 1 Corinthians. Back to this, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, notice he says use, in other words, applying the Bible, not just reading the Bible, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. All right, so you and I need to feed upon God's word. I'm going to have to continue on. We're running out of time here. So God's going to teach you and I some of the roadblocks here. I have displayed verse 3, just kind of blown up a little bit more. He says, you are still carnal. This word for carnal, sarks is flesh. Sarkikos, so having the nature of flesh under the control of animal appetites. That's what it says in Thayer's. Governed by mere human nature, not by the spirit of God. So a man of God, a woman of God. You and I must not be carnal and governed by flesh. I wouldn't call that a man of God. That's a man of the flesh. That's a woman of the flesh. Mature Christians though, we need to be surrendered to and led by the spirit of God, amen? And so notice some of the roadblocks here. He says envy, strife, divisions. Envy also means jealousy. Oh, Lord, you're touching on something that is really problematic. I go to work and I'm jealous of everybody. How come they got the raise? How come they get the promotion? Well, if you're trying to seek God but maintain jealousy or these fleshly things, 
God's not going to reveal his wisdom to you. That's still being carnal. He says strife, contention. Well, I like to fight. Why? Because I'm always right. Some people are like that. <laughs> you know what God tells you to do? Avoid them. Hey, pray for God's peace. We must have God's peace. Nobody is allowed to disturb the peace here. Amen? Nobody. Strife means contention. That's carnal. Divisions. That also means sedition. Those are things that incite others to rebel against authority. That could happen in God's church. That can happen in government. Now, if people are going to tell you to rebel against the authority of God and God's word, then what do I need to do? I must rebel. Why? God is my king. <laughs> right? Jesus is my Lord. Obey God and God's word. So many of the Christians at Corinth, they stayed as babes in Christ. They weren't able to go deep into God's word. Their lives were working against God's word, and they didn't even know it. So understand, Christian, as you and I come to this chapter and this passage, we might be sometimes, instead of receiving God's word, we might be rejecting his word. This could be me at times. And what do you need to do at that time? Just surrender to God. Confess your sins to him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's all stand, please. We're going to close in prayer here. So in order for you and I to continue to spiritually mature, let's run away from those roadblocks, those carnal things, those fleshly things, amen? And run to the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Oh, Lord God, we ask for you to please continue to open up our understanding of your holy word. Lord, as you're probably doing spiritual surgery with some of us here today, we invite you to come and do that work. We are, each of us, a work in progress. And we thank you for that holy work that you do. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit comes to convict us of things like sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, hold us accountable. Help us to lovingly encourage each other to turn away from sin, these carnal things, and to turn to you so that we can learn and glean wisdom from your word of truth. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.